friend I worked with was like trying to get that woman that was there that you didn't meet. But she was like getting tickets, like put getting tickets for opening weekend, Avengers, Endgame. Why? And then she's like, I gotta do it, like I gotta I'm like, I just I love horrible movies. She just sort of said it, like, I love horrible movies. And I was like and I gave her like ten seconds. I'm like, Why is it a horrible movie? She's like, What? I'm like, You just said like you love horrible movies and now you're you're paying like twenty five dollars for an opening night ticket. Oh, uh, like I don't know. I, I honestly I said that, I didn't even really I don't know. I don't know what I was saying. And I don't think she was covering. I just think she just like she thinks comic book movies are horrible, but she was buying tickets for them. Yeah, like, that's the thing. People I'm, are just going to go Like, I it. need to be a part of history here. I'm like, I'm not 17 and need to see the Star Wars, like, yeah. remastered special yeah, editions, yeah. which Ugh. I was totally doing that. Oh, I did that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I paid <laughs> yes. for any of those, though. Oh. Yeah. You snuck in with your Well, that was when I had friends. a partnership with mm-hmm. How could you Suncoast? not support Lucasfilm? <laughs> oh, Poor Lucas. Um, no, Suncoast was right next to the movie theater. Right. And we had a we had a sharing. Yeah, we, sh- we shared things. You slipped them DVDs. I will neither confirm nor deny that. Used the used VHSs that you sold. You slipped them those. They slipped you into the theater. Mm-hmm. I get it. Shakes the clown. Here, let me in to, to watch <laughs> Star Wars. Hey, I'm glad I didn't end up paying for Spawn. Oh, you had you took that home, yeah, for free. No, I mean I saw oh. that in the theater. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw that in the theater. Weird. But I bet you paid like Wasamo four dollars and twenty five cents between four and six dollars. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm tr- I remember when movies were three twenty five. That yeah. was like when I started paying for my own ticket. Yeah, paying for my own tickets. I didn't want to say like four bucks. Yeah, like, something like that. Three twenty five. Sure. And then rapidly, rapidly, it, they got out of control. By it was like, like two thousand and one, it was like twelve bucks. Well, it was like a dollar a year, <laughs> yeah, pretty much for insane. a while, and then now it's leveled off at like fifty bucks a ticket. <laughs> yeah, it's about fifty. Standard standard new movie tickets fifty. So we don't go to current movies; we just watch the old stuff. And, yeah, and there you go. And that's why we're and here. And then you don't have to pay fifty dollars for a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Just those those dang rental fees on them old streaming movies. Mm-hmm. I'll pay that. Mm-hmm. I'll pay I'll pay two dollars for Jim Cotta. <laughs> In fact, I did. You were griping about having to pay three dollars for Starship Troopers for our show, <laughs> <laughs> like multiple times. Well, my gripe was that I can't believe it. Then it. was streaming for free <laughs> like a month later. a month later. <laughs> yeah. So that's happened to me like three times for this show. Yeah. <laughs> Well, last well, recently when we watched Invasion USA. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh. The next day, I happened to be checking Amazon, <laughs> and it was there. Oh, the my day God. before, it wasn't. <laughs> and for some reason, that movie's come and gone several times. Yeah. The license just made very brief. Under yeah. The, and then the someone camera. realizes it, and they're like, oh, shit. Invasion USA. We got to get that back up there. Yeah. There's probably like... A list of like, okay, every January these twelve canon films are available, mm-hmm. and in February there's these eight are, and they all there's there's someone asleep at the wheel of canon films. <laughs> I think they've been licenses. asleep for a long time. <laughs> uh, well, with that that being said, welcome back to the show, everybody. This is Reconcinimation, the podcast that takes a look back at our favorite films. From the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I'm John Diner. And I'm David Munchak. And uh, 
what's been what's been going on lately? I feel like we haven't uh, you and me. We haven't been together in the studio for feels like forever. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, you know, not much going on with me. Uh, everything, uh, no, everything's good. Yeah, feeling feeling fine. Everything, yeah, yeah. Life's good. Life's uh, okay. Any, sure. you, you had some vacation time. You just got in. I had a little time off. Yeah, did a little uh, road tripping. Road tripping. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw. Uh, uh, various Chick Fil A's from from Venice up into Alhambra. Well, Is you did right? you did a study on them, right? I did a study. <laughs> I did a walk. It's a Chick Fil A walkabout. <laughs> I got a different uh, item at each location. It was really good. And I take a you have to take Sunday off, mm-hmm. but uh, no, it's good. Yeah, you got to rest. Sunday yeah. is the day of rest. Yeah, you've been having a good time. Yeah, you know life's busy. Life's busy for for old John these days, mm-hmm. but uh, but all's good. How about the leisure time? Have you been watching anything uh, lately? Uh, yeah, you know, and that's uh, that leads me to our very uh, brand oh. new segment Ooh. we're going to have on the show. <laughs> what the boys are watching? <laughs> How do you spell that? <laughs> that's the uh, boys. Da D A like maybe an apostrophe. B O Y and then three Z's. The boys. That's cool. What kind of font would you like? What would this? Look oh, like? the Fresh Prince fresh, font. Yeah, yeah okay. it'd be the spray paint. You know <laughs> what the boys. Are so uh, he, um, <laughs> Curtis, we need some uh, artwork for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, what are we? What are you watching right now? What's like, uh, as of this recording? Yeah. Um, what was the last couple things you saw? I'm steeped deep in the middle of the OA on Netflix. Oh, there you go. Britt Marling's back. <laughs> she <laughs> sure is. Uh, Jason Isaacs is back. Mm-hmm. Phyllis Smith from the Office Phyllis. is back. She's super sweet too. So you've met her. I, I you've um, had the privilege. I helped with that season. Look at that. Bit. Yeah. Oh, I think I thought I saw you in the background of a couple I, shots. Yeah. 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 Doing I some... like to you know just pop into certain shows just in the background, <laughs> yeah. wave at the camera, and keep uh-huh. going. Uh, but I've been having fun with that. Watching some. Uh... Now that show's crazy. I don't know if it's crazy. It's well, I mean, different. just like like it's really out there. It's yeah. very um, and I, I think extreme. It's it's got a it's got a very particular philosophy mm-hmm. that it's continuing to expand and explore, and it takes its time doing that. So it's uh, it's not like tr- and it's so it's not strange to be strange like for its own sake. Mm-hmm. It's like everything you see is there for a reason. You know, it's it seems really thought out and interesting way to go to spirituality and existentialism and all of that it's mm-hmm. it's really cool yeah I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan i am um, i missed that one be, i'm gonna watch it like shortly here sure but, i mean uh, you know you got time it's on netflix it came out right after the new twin peaks came out yeah and one of the first reviews i, w- I was excited about the oa and then one of the first reviews was it's you know comparing it to Twin Peaks and saying oh. how much like Twin Peaks it was, and I was like, nope. Oh, it's that couldn't be farther from the truth. Yeah, actually, well, the thing is, you could go like this is kind of Lynchian, um, but they have a point and they want to actually inform the audience of that point, and that's awesome. They, yeah, they they want to give you. It's not like this is so wild and it could be anything you think it might be. Yeah, it's like it's open well, to it's, interpretation, but. They have a clear idea of what, yeah. they're, what they're trying to say. And, uh, you know, they're actually serving the audience. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's worth its weight. Well, that's ultimately gold. what you need to do. Yeah. The audience yeah. is important yeah. in art. I Which think. is, you know, as much as I love 
Lynch and the you know, old Lynch and, and the original Twin Peaks, that new one just did not do that. It was tough. It was it was tough. It, it was not made for the audience. I, I I'm still no. not sure who he made that for, and well, I think I go up and down with that show, but. I don't think anything he's ever made is for the audience. It's it's him. It's him it's just his, doing his something he wants to do. You know, it's it's the same thing as you know painting something and putting it in a gallery, and that's I don't care what the audience like. Mm-hmm. It's true. You think this You're is right. this is my thing? So you just cool. figured out David Lynch. So uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> there you go. I think it's just that that basic thing. But uh, no, I've been enjoying that, and then I've been watching Studio Ghibli movies, uh, mm-hmm. Princess Mononoke, yeah, Howl's Moving Castle, fun stuff. I've been trying to get around to those for years, and, and now it's happening. Just may I ask where you uh, have picked up some of these? Uh, I ran down videos. I ran down to uh, Video Tech in South Pasadena. There you go. <laughs> get uh, get all the movies you want at a price that can't be beat. <laughs> I can't wait to own that place. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, but no, live podcasts from there every Saturday. Sure. Hey, let's see if they'll host us. <laughs> yeah. Um, you watching anything? Uh, I'm watching some old stuff. I uh, fired up you, but, <laughs> me watching old things. <laughs> I fired up on Amazon Prime. I fired up uh, Crime Story, oh. Michael Mann's Crime Story. Michael Mann's TV series. It, yes. From the 80s, right? 80, 86 or 87. Yeah. Cool. It was the follow-up, I mean, unrelated plot-wise, but his show that followed up uh, Miami Vice. Oh. Who's in that? Like Dennis Farina? Dennis Farina is the lead in yeah. it. Yeah. Cool. Bill Smitrovich. There's a lot of Michael Smitrovich. Mann. Smitrovich. Yeah. Smitty. Smitty. Um, yeah, a lot of familiar Michael Mann faces in it, mm-hmm. and it's set in the '60s, 1963, but it's super '80s. Oh, it's, yeah. it's like <laughs> so '80s. Okay, um, like the music is like kind of '60s and '50s flavor, but definitely done '80s style. Really? Like, is there some synth in there? Oh yeah, there's yeah yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, but it's uh, it's interesting. I've only I'm only a few episodes in, and it's a show that. I remembered watching bits of when I was, you know, nine or ten, and then, mm-hmm. and but always been on my radar. And occasionally, I get in that Michael Mann kind of mood. Sure, who doesn't? And you know, I, I never get tired of watching Thief or Manhunter. So, sure. so you, it's it's late at night. You start craving Man, mm-hmm. and you just you fire it up. And if you like Dennis Farina, it's kind of like perfect. <laughs> I mean, this is like the <laughs> thing to watch for him. Sure. So, uh, so enjoying that. Cool. That's fun. I should see if uh, Videotech has that, though. It's free on Amazon Prime? It's free on Amazon Prime, but we like to contribute to our local video store. Support support the, support the them in other ways. Yeah. Maybe get something you can't get anywhere else. Exactly, yeah. I mean, you could be sure you can rent a crime store. Yeah, but why, you know... Sure. It's part of the... Um... Arliss Season 3. Okay. <laughs> do what you have to do. You know what we should look for is if they have Dream On. Oh, they might actually. Did that ever come out on DVD? I don't think Maybe it the did. first season. It's all the clips licensing and the music. That's too much. Yeah. It's just too much. It. Can't do it. Anyway. Uh, so that's so what we're watching. Let you, us know what, what you're watching. Yeah, just tweet at us. What are what are the boys out there watching? <laughs> or girls with a Z. Yeah, that would be with a Z. G-R-L-Z-Z. Mm-hmm. Boys and girls. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, we while we love our 70s, 80s, and 90s things... Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're watching things that aren't films or in the era, mm-hmm. like me in the OA, <laughs> or you with Crime Story, not a movie. <laughs> <laughs> See? 
I hit the criteria. I thought about watching Arrested Development because I the, think there's a new season of the that. The final but, episodes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it could be brought back, but part they, two of the final of the last season. Yeah. Season get, five. I'm I'm not feeling the motivation. That's like okay. I was. Yeah. Still love the first first three seasons, but no one can take that away from you. No, they can't. They can't, and they won't. Um, but that's not why we're here today. That's what we're we're watching. This right a, now, but uh, yeah. what are we what are we talking about this week? I don't know. New movie? No, an old movie. An old movie. You a know. good movie? Well, we that you know to be seen. We <laughs> we were talking about a little bit about fathers and sons in our last episode. Five yeah. easy pieces, which you can find in the archives. Yeah. dot com. Yeah. Uh, and that got me thinking about another movie that that uh, I had fairly recently uh, gotten into. Which is At Close Range from 1986. Oh, At Close Range. At Close Range. Christopher Walken, Sean Penn. Uh, Christopher Penn. Chris, Chris Penn. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of pens. Chris Penn, second appearance on the show. Yeah. We had him in Footloose. Yeah. We're going to have to start tallying up uh, yeah. who's, who's who the, the, the all-stars. Yeah. They're appearing in all these films. Producers, yeah, don't directors. talk about that. That's going to be... We've got a special surprise coming down the road about okay. that. So. Don't overpromise. Um, but, uh, yeah, for uh, you know, it's a movie that's not talked about a lot. Um, right. You know, we'll get into the release of it, but it wasn't really a major, major release. No. Um, but for, for, you know, those who don't maybe don't remember exactly what it was, you want to fire up a quick summary? Sure. Um at Close Range is about a rural Pennsylvanian community, particularly uh, Sean Penn's character. He's our main character. He's a young man, probably 19, 20, living a, his, his life in as a rural Pennsylvanian. Uh, not a hard scrabble kind of life. He's got his brother. He's got his friends. But he's missing his dad. And his dad comes in and out of his life, played by Christopher Walken, uh, and shows him maybe... His dad's lifestyle might be something intriguing. His life of crime. Uh, and so it's how a distant father and son come closer together, bonding over sort of this criminal behavior. And uh, what happens when things get a little too uh, heat, a little too hot? A little too, yeah, a little the too heat, hot. Yeah, the heat's on. The heat's on. I think that's kind of, that's not really, I mean, that's mostly yeah, that's, it. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, Sean Penn's father uh, comes back into his life after being gone basically his entire youth. Yeah. And he's a big time criminal and introduces him to that life of crime and, and how Sean Penn's character reacts to that and, yeah. and what happens when it starts to go off the rails. Yeah. I mean, it's Brad Jr. and Brad Sr. Mm-hmm. Brad, what was his name? Whitehead? Or Whitehead, White, yeah. White, Whitewood, excuse me. Whitewood, yeah. yeah. Whitehead. So Brad Whitehead. Brad Whitewood. Yeah. Uh, so he carries his father's name. It's a. It's really a kind of a, a lot of different themes there, but mm-hmm. it's a quest for a sort of identity yeah. and yeah. where you belong and all of that. And as a as someone in within a family, so mm-hmm. that's at close range. And that's a movie. I again, I remember as a kid, another movie I was kind of fascinated with the poster, oh. like or the you know the VHS cover art. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I always thought, just as a little kid, I, you know, later learned it was Christopher Walken, but I always thought it was Stacy Keach. Oh, sure. For yeah. some reason, that picture on this this particular picture 
where it's like the halves of their faces. Yeah. And look, I thought it was Stacy Keach instead I could of Walker. I see that with the beady eyes and the mustache. The mustache is what did it. it, it that's, it's pretty Keach-ish. Yeah. Keach-ish. Keach-ish. Yeah. <laughs> it's very Keach-like. Um, but yeah, I um, I kind of always was aware of this movie and I had always heard really good things about it. It was mm-hmm. always like Christopher Walken's fantastic, Sean Penn's fantastic, mm-hmm. but it just didn't. It wasn't readily available. It wasn't, you know, played on HBO or the cable channels, and it just wasn't as easy to find. I actually didn't see it at all until about five years ago when we were in Atlanta. Oh. And it was on, I want to say it was on FX one night. Really? Like a, like a late night movie. Uh-huh. But I tuned in right at, like, the, the key scene. So I was like, oh, wow. well, this is really good. Right there at the end? No, not the end, but like where the the murder happens. Uh, that scene. Yeah. And I was like, this is really good. And I know I've missed a lot. Yeah. And I don't want to like spoil the ending. So, so I didn't watch it the, all the way through until like last summer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh, and so I was, taste. I was very, I, I was very much connected with that movie. I, I, see. I loved it. Huh. Well, I guess we know where you fall in. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where this it, movie is. Yeah, I I mean, when I watched it last year, was going through some personal, some family, you know, mm-hmm. stuff was going on. So I think it, uh, I guess it was the right time to watch the movie because <laughs> it like, I just was very, like, I felt very connected to it. It was hitting close to home there. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, got yeah. it. Yeah, very like, very, a, a very emotional reaction to the movie. Look and was, you. Yeah, you know, mostly because of personal things so. got it so yeah. you have an emotional reaction like some kind of girl <laughs> about a movie <laughs> <laughs> what about you when was the first time you saw it oh me yeah or heard about it <laughs> heard about it i heard about it through you honestly i had no i had no idea this existed uh i'm not one for the more obscure 80s film starring your bigger stars like i don't really know all the movies sean penn was in when his career shame on you started taking off shame yeah, fine. <laughs> That's fine. All I know is he hit Madonna I'll, I'll, a bunch. I'll, That's all I'll, I know I'll, about Sean. I'll learn you. I'll learn you. Yeah. <laughs> all I know is he hit Madonna a bunch of times. So <laughs> that's really. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at that. That wasn't. That's not what I was laughing at. Yeah, but what I was saying had the sort of the cadence of a joke. <laughs> the subject. Matter, I was laughing at you, very... not at the fact that he was hitting Madonna. <laughs> yeah, that is. Um, but uh, but this was pre that probably but within a uh, year or two of that. It was it was kind of in the middle. <laughs> within of a that. year. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, but, but to, no, I, I hadn't heard of it. Not really. I had no real awareness until uh, you were probably telling me about it. Uh, I don't know what the context was. We were probably talking, you know, emotional, mm-hmm. familial movies, things like that. And you're like, oh, and also at close range. Boom. This and that. You got to see this one. And then, you know, it all, I think as soon as that came up and then I think I think before then when the idea of the podcast between you and I, it's like this was definitely going to be something we were going to cover. Well, yeah, this you was know? this is this is the kind of movie when we were first talking about doing this show that I wanted to start do movies like this that yeah. are forgotten, really good little gems. That uh, yeah. of course we also cover things like Predator. But, yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, little gems that are kind of lost to time. Yeah. Uh, so then the first time I saw the movie, that was a week ago. In preparation for this podcast, mm-hmm. preparation for this podcast. 
Well, and you were talking, you know, you were talking about Sean Penn. So this was uh, this was made. It was shot in 1985. It came out in 1986. Um, sure. So what uh, you know, what was happening in American cinema in 19, 1986? Uh-oh. A couple of big movies. It's a big or, year. Or at least one big one. Um, this well, this was this was the year, the defining year for you. Top or, Gun. Top Gun. Yeah. The the death of New Hollywood. The death of New started Hollywood. here. Uh, it ended is, here, yeah. And at close range is probably one of the last great ones. Well, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, there, there's still I, more that came out, right? I but, wouldn't say it was part of that movement because it had really like wasn't part of the new Hollywood. Not really, no. Really? It was uh, my understanding. Is I mean, the only real poor. connection, I think, in tone, yeah. Like, yeah. if this was made in the '70s, like it would have been very, very interesting. Yeah. And Walken's really the only kind of connection back to that mm-hmm. time period but um top gun was just like the nail in the coffin mm. it was it was pretty much dead by this point but I see. and top gun comes out a month after this movie Man. and changes the you know really solidifies what the blockbuster movie can be yeah um but yeah 1986 um you've got Gosh, you know, a lot. It feels like so many different things were were happening by this point. You've got Eddie Murphy is huge. You've mm-hmm. got you know your your post Ghostbusters, your post Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got I guess we're between Indiana Jones movies. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you've got you know a lot of these big. It was right in the middle of like the money making stuff was really coming together yeah well, and you, yeah, you smaller dr- dr- more dramatically driven pictures without you know major box office names like this mm-hmm. was harder for them to really get as much attention yeah it was, you know being released it was released in april of that year. yeah april 86 yeah i mean it was a tough year for is there's franchises going on like star trek 4 oh yeah that's right yeah star trek 4 which Kirk- was it's biggest movie right the voyage home mm-hmm. uh, wasn't that the biggest the hit biggest of all yeah of that of, of, of those first six or seven yeah movies. yeah i think so uh and then you know karate kid part two came out that oh, summer or that was, yeah but like yeah top gun somehow remember crocodile dundee is the basically tied with top gun in terms of money that year that was yeah and <laughs> you know you look back at crocodile dundee and laugh at it because uh-huh. it's i mean it's just kind of absurd yeah. but it was a huge movie. I yeah. mean, that did that did huge. People love this strange talking fellow. Yeah, and he was everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He do like Minute Maid commercials or something, That's or right. like he was all over the place. He had his catchphrases, like the things that turned into catchphrases mm-hmm. and all of that. And uh, I haven't seen Crocodile Dundee in years. I wonder if I would think it's that cheesy. I, I bet you it's probably still really enjoyable. It's actually it's actually pretty good. Well, I watched fun. it about five or six years ago, and yeah. and. Uh, it didn't age as badly as I thought it would. It actually feels like it's kind of slow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it meanders a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, but you also had Platoon that year, so you still had some serious. Mm-hmm. serious yeah, Platoon stuff. was the big Oscar movie that yeah, year, '86. Like, um, but uh, but still, oh yeah, and Aliens as well. Like so oh, that Eddie, small movie, that little thing, that little indie drama. Yeah. So you had Tom Cruise, you had Eddie Murphy, you had the Star Trek people, you had. Karate Kid, Ma- yeah, and you, Machio's on the screen. Yeah, my, you got Michael J. Fox running around all over the place. Stallone and Cobra. Mm-hmm. You got uh, Poltergeist Two came out. Mm-hmm. Short Circuit changed sci-fi forever. <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> so it was. It's a wild year. So yeah, this is sort of a quiet 
film that, yeah. that remained quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did, yeah. We'll get to that uh, towards the end, but um, yeah. So this is a, it was actually a Sean Penn like passion project mm-hmm. that somewhere you know he heard about this story about this uh, criminal who had. He had this. It's based on Bruce uh, Johnston Senior. Okay, these are real people. These are the real, it's a true. It's a real story. Mm-hmm. This is based on real events, and it pretty. The movie does a pretty good job of depicting what actually happened. Of course, you know they changed the like like we talked about with Young Guns, which you can listen to in the archives. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they changed the amount of members of the gang because there were you know people coming in and out at all different times yeah the gang was really at its most active from like the mid 60s to the late 70s mm-hmm. um and what happens in this movie really took place throughout the 70s mm-hmm. over like an 8 or 9 year period got it but this movie kind of condenses it within about a year yeah and it condenses it to like you know uh christopher walken's gang is like four other guys yeah instead of like 10 or 15 right you like know. a big operation <laughs> yeah yeah uh though it sort of alludes to like the bigger operations that are around but it, they it keeps that focus just really on these small groups of guys yeah you get the tone that they're a part of a bigger like syndicate yeah but you only see these guys doing their local jobs, yeah, yeah. you know, their local heists. Um, so, you know, and, and how what happens throughout the movie between the father and the son and how that kind of erupts at the end. Yeah. And uh, Sean Penn, I, he hasn't really talked much about this movie. Um, really. Yeah. It's, I, I don't I don't know what the behind the scenes deal is, whether he's got some negativity towards either how it was it came out or how what the release was and the reaction to it mm-hmm. but uh he was into the story he had he was definitely a star on the rise but in a completely different way than a lot of the, the other 80s young male actors were mm-hmm. uh a lot more creatively driven than box office driven yeah um so he pitched this he actually uh, or he pitched it to Orion, and Hemdale Films came in, and and the two of them, the two companies, produced the movie. Uh, was the script was written by Nicholas Kazan, oh, son of Elia Kazan, yes. which is a Hollywood icon and legendary director. What are some of the movies he wrote? On the Waterfront, yes. On the Waterfront, uh-huh. and on the Waterfront, all right. <laughs> Streetcar Named Desire, uh-huh. just like a, a lot of the early Brando. Uh, you know, he was intertwined with Lee Strasberg and mm-hmm. and those early, you know, major, uh, char- not character actors, but, you know, really big stars of the 50s and 60s. Oh, I see. Well, then Nicholas Kazan, of course, went on to write uh, Matilda and Bicentennial mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. So. so they are right on the same level. Yeah, same. <laughs> you you kind of get it. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to pick between Matilda and... <laughs> And on the waterfront, <laughs> I'm going Matilda. Uh, well, Elia Kazan. Yeah. Well, Why well, no? You compare oh, okay. the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I got you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just going back to the the real story. So Bruce Johnston Sr. Uh, led this gang, and they were in Chester County, Pennsylvania, which is right in your neck of the woods. Uh, yeah. Around the corner. Yeah, around the around the bend. Do you actually know where that is? Chester County. Yeah. I think that's in like the central south south central. Is that right? 
I'm in the north. You're the I'm, pen- from, I'm from the northeast. Chester County. Oh, no, that's down by Philly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so right near you. So it's just west of Philly. The west. So it's like the neighboring county? Yeah, basically. Okay. Like well, good. Quite literally. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's where Westchester is. I grew up in Westchester. Uh, there's a Westchester, PA. No, there's you, not. There's one that's that. in New York. Exton, Coatesville, Parksburg, Embryville, Oxford. These are all in Chester County. Okay. You know this. Yeah. You've been there. So the gang was floating through here, <laughs> and uh, they would steal Sorry. all sorts of things. Tractors, cars, jewelry, yeah. like antique items. They were just, they were, they were thieving all over. Thieving is their business, and business is good. Which I think was a line they cut from the movie. <laughs> that, was, that was too bad. <laughs> because walking, just saying that, counting money. Walking, saying anything is pretty entertaining. Um, and they would use, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of like high-tech hardware that thieves would use back then, but they yeah. definitely used police equipment mm-hmm. kind of against the police. Like they had, you know, police scanners and walkies and they would call in fake, you know, uh, they would call in things mm-hmm. to get the police to go like to the other side of town uh, right, to right. buy them time to do this, whatever job they were doing. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so that's like also compounding, you know, what the, that's what, a criminal act. in itself. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, they actually killed uh, two cops in 1972, and that is that's not in the movie, but in the real life story, that's sort of what turned the cops really onto this gang that they were going going to get them one way or another as soon as they could prove it. They got to build the case on these. Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it took like six or seven years of you know really watching these guys to get enough because when you do that, you've got to get enough of a case to like really get them. And you got to make sure you, you got enough to put them away for a long time. Yeah, not just get just uh, bust them on one right, right, one one act. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's why like tax evasion is always like a good inroad to some of these guys. <laughs> right, right, right. Like Capone. Um. Yeah. So they built the case kind of throughout the seventies, and a lot of the incidents that happen are, uh, you know, happen in the middle part of the seventies. They once like they kind of knew. Once, yeah, about 1975, <laughs> give or take. Once Bruce Johnston knew the kind of the cops were on to him, he started to get really paranoid mm. and ends up killing all the younger gang members in one night. Jesus. Just like it's depicted in the movie. Oh, my God. They, That's like, dug a hole and would walk one of them up there, shoot them, throw them in the hole, go back to town, get the next one. Oh, my God. You know, they would lure them out there like they were going to do a job, yeah. and then they would just kill them. That's how they did it in the film. Oh, my God. And that's... Uh, Ugh. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. And uh, so once they get, they get finally get arrested for stealing tractors in 79, that was kind of enough. They had, they had all this other evidence, and then they ended up finding the bodies and, and just adding on to the pile. Jesus Christ. And he was convicted in 1981, uh, died in prison in 2002. Good. And I think there were three or four other gang members who went to, to prison as well. Mm. And some of them turned on each other. It became a whole big case. Yeah. You remember. You were like two. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> uh, so Sean Penn's fascinated with the story. He thinks it would be a great vehicle for him. Uh, he ends up getting James Foley to direct the film after seeing his first movie called Reckless, which was not very 
fondly looked upon or remembered at all. Hmm. Um, it's uh, with, I think it's Aiden Quinn and Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah. Yeah. And I really, I barely remember anything about the movie, but I'd love to kind of check it out and see how it holds up now. Yeah. Down the road, Reckless, coming hey. to you 2022, maybe? Let's get in there. Yeah, let's put it on the docket. That's fine. I, I think uh, Foley actually also directed a lot of Madonna videos. Yeah, well, he did that. This kind of all happened together. I think, you know, Sean Penn kind of established the connection with with James Foley. And then right after this movie, mm-hmm. he directed a whole bunch of Madonna music videos and Madonna concerts and, yeah. um, you know, did a couple of other movies here and there. And then, wow, you know, did a lot through the 90s. I mean, sure. I, we'll definitely cover Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross sure. and Fear. Fear, uh-huh. And well, what else am I? I'm blanking. There's, a, there's another couple in there, but. The Corrupter. The Corrupter, yes. Two Bits. Hey, he did a Twin Peaks episode. Yes, he did. How about that? Also, who's that girl? Oh, that's it. Who's that girl? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're starring Madonna. Madonna. (laughs) Eh, Uh, Madonna. (laughs) I wasn't ready for that. Sorry about that. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about Sean Penn, though. Yeah, okay. You've not seen a lot of the early Sean Penn stuff, correct? No, I don't think so. Is it early stuff? Not really, no. See, that's like... That's when he would be... That's like his prime stuff. Is yeah. like his... I would say almost all the way through the 80s. Really? Maybe, maybe he can skip Where No Angels. A little comedy <laughs> sure. with De Niro. Yeah. But... Um, no, like I never saw Bad Boys. Ah, uh, yeah. Crackers. <laughs> Crackers. Crackers, yeah. <laughs> Shanghai Surprise. Taps. Casualties of War. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I didn't see Where, Where No Angels either. So he, I mean, he's well, just a force, tour de force. Yeah. Well, did you see? I mean, you saw Fast Times at some Fast point. Times, yeah. Risky Business. But he was huge. Like he, he comes on the scene in Fast Times, mm-hmm. and he's like, the Sp- Jeff Spicoli character was like kind of a cultural icon in the early eighties. Oh yeah. And Fast Times is a great movie, mm-hmm. but he's a complete. You know, he plays a stoner, your mm-hmm. stoner kind of surfer dude character. Yeah. And. If you just watch that movie, I think you'd expect him to go the Brat Pack route. Yes. Yeah, he'd be hanging out with Judd and Molly. Yeah. Andy McCarthy. Yeah. Andy. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, no, he... Maybe C. Thomas Howell. He's clearly a guy that took all sorts of different roles and was very serious about the art more so than the celebrity. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did not... I don't think he ever enjoyed the celebrity side of it. Yeah. So, you know, as these guys are coming up with the the John Hughes class, you know, he kind of takes a huge right turn and does these super dark, gritty, Mm -hmm. 70s-like kind Mm -hmm. of movies Mm -hmm. like Bad Boys, Falcon and the Snowman. Falcon and the Snowman. um, Taps, and then Colors comes after. But they're, they're really good. I mean, they're not... They're not perfect movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he's fantastic in them, though, mm-hmm. and immediately showed, like, y- you're going to take me seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm not going to do fucking St. Elmo's Fire, you know? <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, he's doing these really um, dark films, and they're really good, though. But you've got to be in the right mood for it. It's like, they're heavy. Yeah. They're... Um, 
not one you're just going to throw on and kind of casually watch. Like, you got to be in the mood for those. Yeah, you're going to be emotionally invested in yeah. what's happening with all of his. But I would, I would, I highly recommend both of those. Because okay. if you, if you like Sean Penn, like, you really should watch his early stuff. I'm cool with him. Yeah. That's, I'd see more. Uh, you know, sure. All right. What was the last Sean Penn movie? I'm trying like to remember. What, yeah. I think he showed up in 21 Jump Street. No. Uh, he did not. <laughs> uh, the Gunman. Oh, yeah. The Professor and the Madman. That's coming out this year. Okay. Well, stay tuned for that. So, uh, you know, the... Gangster Squad. Gangster Squad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Tree of Life. Hard pass on that. Did you see it? I did, yeah. I liked it. I'm not a uh, Malik fan. Yeah, Terry, is he's tough. He's tough to take. Yeah, you love him or you're not into him. Hey, you know, I kind of liked it. I like his early stuff, but... Sure. Anyway, um, so at the same time, he is married to one of the biggest cultural pop stars of the 80s, if not well into the 90s and beyond, Madonna. Uh, And her name was... Madonna. Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that was a big, like, I'm, and I feel like you could tell in pictures that he hated it. Yeah. The fact that they were just mobbed by the press all the time. Paparazzi all over the place. Yeah, all over the place. Yeah. And I think, you know, her stardom, his stardom, the pressure of all of that and the constant, you know, paparazzi stuff was, yeah. uh, I'm not in any way justifying whatever you know altercations happened between them oh, but sure. i'm sure that contributed to their you know problems you know it uh, exacerbates a lot of mm-hmm. problems if you don't have a handle on them and your, yeah. your emotional issues uh and stress levels go through the roof so. and, and he got i remember him having that reputation of like like a, a bad boy you i know? think he probably hit paparazzis and sh- Show yeah, like that. Like, he was, wasn't he? He was, know, uh, he was not. Pl- he didn't play ball. With yeah, him, yeah, which I totally get from to a certain extent. Yeah, I think you know, as a kid, I think he might have been the first actor that like I I really like acknowledged that intensity. Like this is this is one dude you just you just stay out of his way. Yeah, don't, don't mess with <laughs> don't mess with Sean Penn. And funny, one of the first uh, he's one of the first celebrities I ever saw in person when uh, I would oh. come out to visit oh. L.A. out here. What was he doing? Uh, outside a, uh, a restaurant in Malibu, a great breakfast place. I don't even know if it's there anymore. It's called Googie's oh. that my uncle used to take me to. I see. And this was right about when Dead Man Walking came out because oh, yeah. he had that whole like look mm-hmm. going on. Uh, and he was just sitting outside waiting for a table, smoking a cigarette. Wow. And I was like, I'm staring at him, and I can't stop. <laughs> Would that be the Googie Grill in Seaside? Some- uh, it's on the PCH. On the PCH, so. yeah. Uh, maybe not. Doesn't I don't know. Never mind. Nope. Yeah, yeah I don't think it's there anymore. It but, can't be. But we saw like we went there a bunch of times. Saw like John Cusack and uh, Howie Mandel came over to wow. say hello because my uncle knew? knows him. Wow, so. you met Howie. I met Howie. Yeah, this is '90s Howie. Did you say no. how are you doing? <laughs> you know I did. How we do that. <laughs> This is before that briefcase show that he did. Oh, uh, oh, how to how to bank your bucks? <laughs> how to train your called? dragon? What's it called? Oh, uh, the briefcase show. The briefcase yeah. show. You know one. Yeah, it was a good one. How to make a million or something? Mm-hmm. How to be a millionaire? 
Um, anyway, yeah, so there was a, a lot kind of going on with Sean Penn. Uh, highly recommend a lot of his, his uh, 80s stuff. Yeah. And Colors, hmm. I want to look at that movie you know, as well with you. Colors yeah. is directed by Dennis Hopper. Mm-hmm. I think he did, I want to say he did Casualties of War right after this and then Colors right after that. And he's also working with great Mm -hmm. co-stars, you know, working with Christopher Walken, who we're going to talk about in a second, who's also kind of in his prime and well, one of his primes, I guess (laughs) there's different Christopher Walken. And then in colors, he's working with Robert Duvall and it's kind of like they're on screen. What's happening on screen is sort of mirroring what's happening off screen with like the kind of veteran, mentor kind of teaching the young upstart like mm-hmm. kind of how to do the job interesting yeah as you know the movie's about cops so it's you know them on screen as a, a veteran cop and a rookie cop mm-hmm. and behind the scenes is like veteran actor and then the up, up rising star so but great movie um you know highly highly recommend that cool. as well see sean penn's movies yeah from the 80s. Basically, basically note idea. note to self see them all <laughs> Forget about the hitting Madonna thing. <laughs> yeah. Do your best to move beyond that. Yeah. Uh, now, Walken. Christopher Walken. Sure. Gosh, he's had so many different uh, phases to his career. Yeah. And again, you know what I'm going to say. I prefer the I prefer the older Walken mm-hmm. because, you know, like we talked about with Jack Nicholson and some of the other actors, like, at a certain point, he becomes sort of a caricature of himself. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, he becomes walking, just doing the crazy, weird walking stuff and saying, you know, whatever crazy dialogue. Like, I mean, they really nailed it on Saturday Night Live in like '92. Oh yeah, that he could just say anything and it's funny. Yeah, <laughs> well, he, but he, yeah, he can make a meal out of anything. Yeah, and people love it. And I, but it is, it really is like very distinct. It's not like it's not like you could say anything and they just eat it up. Mm-hmm. It's actually really entertaining. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, like you're a big prophecy fan. Yeah. Sure. One, two, three, four, five, and six. Give me, give me the whole thing. Yeah. The double trilogy. That's the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it was a lot of, it was like the Tarantino, you know, him being in Pulp Fiction in a small part, mm-hmm. but it was, I guess it was between true romance and Pulp Fiction. He kind of like went off in this whole gangster, thing like mm-hmm. he's done he does so many movies or at least did through the 2000s it was so many like low budget movies where he's playing a gangster or somewhere in the gangster world yeah he's always a, a villainous yeah tough guy or powerful guy yeah he's always a powerful guy but he's really like he comes from such a different background i mean he's a song and dance guy yeah and that remember that Spike Jones music video from like ninety nine or two thousand? Yeah, with the the fat, fat boy slim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that was fantastic. Dancing through that hotel or whatever. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I, I think a, a newer well, generation suddenly fell in love with him. Yeah, like it yeah. was just. Well, there's a lot to love about Walken. Sure. You know, you kind of obviously he embraced and and we all embraced his mm-hmm. uh, strangeness. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, it's sort of like. Um, who was the fly? Who was that? Jeff Goldblum. Oh, Goldblum? Like Goldblum the, today. Wait, wait. You mean the total package? <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's what che- we Check out our Independence Day episode. It's in the archives. In the, in, oh, it's in the archives. Yeah. But uh, it's like Goldblum today. Same thing. He's yes. Sort of totally. aged into the Goldblum of his yep. thing. 
embracing the bizarre like yeah. personal qualities of him. Give them what they want, but also it's entertaining. I don't think they're they're not hacks because yeah. they do it. Right, right. You know, I don't know. I mean, you got to give them credit. Yeah, but uh, walking of the seventies and and through you know through the eighties, I would say up until maybe I guess around Batman Returns, mm-hmm. but uh, you know playing a wide range of characters. Yeah, really. Um, I don't know. Just much. The characters seem to have a lot more depth. Uh, you haven't seen Deer Hunter, but we're gonna get there. We'll get there. I mean, that's you don't have to tell everybody what I haven't seen. <laughs> I don't know why you do that. Too late. <laughs> Uh, he's got a brief role in Annie Hall, but completely memorable. Yeah. Like another bizarre character, but that's the first role. I know he'd done some movies like the Anderson tapes before that, but that was the first time I remember seeing him. And he was, you know, just a quick, crazy character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Deer Hunter, which is an amazing movie, mm-hmm. uh, great, deep performance about you know, along with De Niro and everybody else in the movie, but he's, he's really the, uh, uh, he's almost as much of a lead as De Niro. Mm -hmm. You know, he is technically supporting, but very intense role. Very, that's, that's a hard movie to get through. Uh, and I feel like this is kind of right there. Like he's fully invested in the character. He like fully, he really feels like that character. He doesn't feel to me. He doesn't feel like Walken. No, not at all. Right? No, I, totally. Like the, I buy this person he's presenting. Like he's this. He is this guy. This, yeah. This Whitewood guy who live in this this life, uh, and it's it's like it all comes easy to him. Just like uh, this guy knows what he's about. This is the life he lives. It's not. He's not like some scammy kind of sure of himself guy. He's just sort of this subdued person who then goes crazy at certain times. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, he turns and becomes very scary. Like, yeah. Like three or four different times in the film. And, there, and it's really, really sets it up. Like how threatening he can be. Like, And it's very subtle too. It's, mm-hmm. and that's what I love about it. Just like, it's a change in like the glint in his eye, which I'm not an actor. I don't know how really great actors can do that, but they have a way of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's without even moving. They just a whole different tone comes over them. Yeah, they tap into that. Thing yeah, and it it happens. It, uh, so you can tell. Uh, yeah, you're seeing this guy really at at the at doing a hundred percent. And he's very you know there's there's not a lot of dialogue in the movie for him. I mean, compared to what his stuff would be later, it's all. His later stuff, mm-hmm. or his more recent things, have been more, way more about like what he's saying, mm-hmm. you know, and very heavy on the dialogue. Whereas yeah. here, it's a little bit of less is more. Yeah, I, there's no speechifying or anything. There's there are some moments where he's sort of teaching a lesson. Or sure, yeah, yeah, but he's just going about his business, and it's it really is a um, how everyone's reacting to each other, especially how Sean Penn is sort of taking in what he sees mm-hmm. and what his father says, but not having to react too much. It's a lot yeah. of like pensive looks and interesting. Oh yeah. Sort of like the things. whole scene where, you know, they, he watches his dad and his dad's guys murder this, this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's huge and it's all done through looks. Yeah. And you know, and then as of the next scene, you know, where Sean Penn sort of 
falls and like if he approves of this kind of thing or not yeah and like he's obviously conflicted and it's just it all comes out very subtly like yeah like his you know he wasn't gonna go run to the cops over this thing no but i think missed, he he, know- he wanted to stay away from this guy yeah and he know he you can tell that he knows that if he rejects this guy, there's going to be problems. There's a problem there, yeah. But he's going to reject him. Yeah. <laughs> the movie does something. It's it it's because it has to compress sort of the timeline of this story. It's it's really just like an unfortunate coincidence of a f- like 48 hours of like wanting to get into this life with his dad and then seeing the consequences of that, and then also the fact that the there's this. Uh, a subplot going on well you don't see any of these guys but they're going to be taken down by the fbi eventually yeah so now there's a threat of like the whole thing coming down around him and then he doesn't know then he doesn't know who to trust and he just brought his son in and now his son well his son you know his son and his well the way it's portrayed in the movie is that the younger gang members are are basically sean penn's clique yeah his group of friends and they're doing their own jobs kind of on the side and they get caught. Yeah. Sean Penn gets arrested, or Brad Jr. gets arrested, mm-hmm. and that's when kind of all hell breaks loose, and yeah. and the paranoia takes over Brad Sr., yeah. and he is completely paranoid because he knows the FBI is on on his trail, yeah. and they're starting to subpoena all the other gang members. Yep. So it's kind of like the walls are coming down on him. Yeah, but you don't get like a scene where... Uh, Brad Sr. has to like consider all this and like what is he gonna do and you just see the result of of him reacting to that where mm-hmm. he just starts killing these kids and all of that and and it's like he's he, he made all these decisions you don't need to show that scene yeah he's not conflicted about what he's doing and then he, well it's isn't it I think the scene prior to that is like where he goes to give I think like twelve thousand dollars to to Brad Jr. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Brad Jr.'s grandmother just flat out, like, rejects it. Yeah. And then there's that look. Like, you, it, they cut back to Watkins' face, and it's just this look. And then the next scene is, that's it. He's yeah. just, like, lining him up. Yeah. Well, then that's when, yeah, that's when he starts killing his, his buddies, right? Yeah. And then he eventually, that Brad Jr. was supposed to die. <laughs> like Yeah. And he uh, was next. I mean, yeah. yeah. He was the last one. Uh, and I mean, he killed his brother. Tom, like, Tom yeah. Well, crazy. that whole sequence was like I don't know. The first, when I saw it last year for the first time, it 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 was that was hard to watch. Like mm-hmm. him taking these kids basically and just murdering them. Yeah. That's that's. Oh, it's awful. It was awful. Yeah. <laughs> and then the the when it, when uh, spoiler alert when uh, Chris Penn that that yeah. scene like i don't know like yeah. i had a real reaction to that yeah well he sort of pleads like that like he's like, got that one instant of just almost begging and heartbreak because like, he knew it was going to happen yeah. kind of hoping it wouldn't but yeah. he didn't really resist it um yeah, and then the fact that he would could kill his own son yeah you know mm-hmm. that is uh hard mm-hmm. to watch it's tough uh and speaking of that that gang, that is that gang is uh, full of great actors. Yeah, but well, Watkins gang or well, both really. Yeah, it's the, the kind of the whole cast is really like great character actors, and mm-hmm. uh, I think is it a wordless Kiefer Sutherland? He's got a couple lines. Does he? Yeah, he, they I don't, don't really even focus, but he 
he reacts to a couple things. Yeah, he's like the only member of of Brad Jr.'s gang that doesn't get killed. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah he yeah. makes it because they basically just didn't get to him. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got the uh, Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover, an interesting turn. Which yeah. Is very Crispin Glover. <laughs> very yeah, strange character mm-hmm. and another. Uh, I guess he was known as being difficult, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and this is again post Back to the Future, so he's kind of at his yeah. peak, and he had just done another movie called River's Edge that was, mm-hmm. but he was a bizarre guy, sure, sure, and I think still is. But uh, Kiefer's in the gang, Chris Penn, Sean Penn, obviously, mm-hmm. and and I forgot the actor's name, but the guy from uh, Fright Night. Oh. Who's uh, from Fright Night? Yeah, he's great in great in Fright Night. Small role here, but one by one, the gang's uh, getting knocked off, and then uh, they we didn't even talk about the other subplot with uh, Brad Jr. and Terry. Well, yeah, which well, is actually how the movie starts. Well, that's the thing. Like, this is a guy again. You imagine he's nineteen or twenty, I think, and. We we just meet him driving on the road. Like we're the whole the, the whole three first three minutes of the movie is him driving in his pickup in the streets at night, like in doing this what a town like, like a young guy would do. Yeah, he's just sort of cruising, like knowing he's gonna eventually meet up with his brother and mm-hmm. his friends, and you know, and he sees this girl at this at the town center, like town square, and you know, it does he does what any one would do? He, he, pulls over he wants to talk to her he wants to get to know her he wants to see her again and that's mary stewart matt masters yeah mary stewart masterson yeah, yeah. it is a, it is a mouthful uh and uh like this movie could have just been about that their little story like, yeah. but um she's like the f- you can tell like she's the first real thing for him that can like alter his life mm-hmm. like and it and then we're watching this film where his dad coming back into his life he figures he finds out where his dad lives and kind of approaches him mm-hmm. and so now he's got two two da- two paths running parallel mm-hmm. and eventually one of them's got they've got to diverge yeah and it's either like he with this woman that makes him happy this young girl but i mean they're like probably both 19 yeah and then uh or the like re, you know finding a new relationship with his dad yeah with all the complications that are that are part of it yeah and, yeah uh, but he it seems like yeah he was he was at a a point where basically his life has to change he's now of a certain age what are you going to do with the rest of your life kind of thing and uh that's exactly where we meet him like on the within 24 hours he meets her and then sees his dad again and, yeah. and it, which starts everything off so and Watkins just got this intensity too like the whole time like every time he walks in a room mm-hmm. I don't know. You feel that whole energy of like he he takes over. Like you yeah. you know you can't you can't not have your eyes on him. Yeah, and I think that everyone acts that uh, acts that way. Yeah, it's all in their body. Even it's everyone's body's language. Yeah, it's all there. Like he's either someone they don't want to react to because they're kind of scared of him, or they they all kind of like back away a little bit. I yeah, think. it's just he's definitely he like is. in charge. Yeah, he walks in. He's the alpha in the room mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and interesting, they the that role was originally offered to Robert De Niro, Ugh. which well, nineteen eighty five, eighty six De Niro, yeah, that would be good. I think would have been good, um, but he turned it down. It was too it was too dark. I don't, I, you know, I think 
Yeah. Some of the subject matter, I don't think he was he cool was, with. He wasn't comfortable with uh, the rape <laughs> of uh, Sean. Yeah, <laughs> Sean uh, probably that and killing, killing you know teenagers. Yeah, he's fine with killing other other mafia guys, other and, other you know. bad dudes. Yeah, but uh, but uh, uh, I think performance wise, I think would have been he would have been really good. Oh sure. Yeah. Um, you know, c- kind of like similar to his role in Goodfellas. I, I feel like this is kind of close to that, but. Yeah. Um, but walking it was great. That was a you know, can't get De Niro. Go for walking. Don't get walking. Also, oh, and also in Walken's gang, David Strathairn like didn't oh, yeah. didn't yeah. anticipate to see him. He, he doesn't have much to say. No, but he's got he's the con. He's kind of got the contacts. He's kind of the you can tell he's the smart guy. He's like he he blowtorches the safe. He sort of he knows the contacts at the police and the FBI. Well, when yeah, stays out of the when you trouble. see them in in action, like they definitely have a a system and mm-hmm. and you know their specialties. So. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's uh, Strathairn who we talked about in uh, a league of their own mm-hmm. archives, archives, uh, R D Call, uh, yeah. and hmm? yeah, he yeah. played Dicky, right? Yep, and Tracy Walter who plays. Uh, uh, his brother. Yeah, uh, B- Brody. No, Patch. Yeah, Patch. Yeah. Brody. <laughs> Where do we get Brody? Where's bro? Brody at? <laughs> um, but yeah, again, all great character actors there. Yeah. And Strathairn actually plays a second role in the movie when they're at the uh, the cockfight. Yeah. And he's kind of getting information from. He's like standing behind like an F. It looks like an FBI guy. Guy's tipping him off about what the FBI knows and what they're on to. Yeah. And you see, he's only seen in shadow. That was actually Strathairn as a completely different character. Like he's I, got a. You can tell he's got a mustache and big glasses and. I just thought that was the same character. Not the same character. I did too the first time I saw. Why it. is then, that? Why is he playing a different character? I don't. I I don't know. Also, why? T- right before the kids start getting killed why do we see a scene of david strathairn having a seizure in his bed i feel like there was more there's probably a lot more that was shot for those <laughs> other gang members yeah um like, was he poisoned and killed well i don't think he was i think like, that's i think he was not there at the killings right and that's why because he like when the when you're introduced to him he says he's epileptic Oh, that's right. He in- introduces epileptic. him as this is you know I forgot what his name is, but like yeah. he's epileptic. Yeah, he plays Tony. So oh. that kind of oh, that's right. He's having. I, I feel like there's more to that that didn't make the movie. Yeah, that it just, I didn't get it. I I didn't understand the the, the leap to that. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, he's epileptic, but why are we depicting him having it? Because there? that got him the epileptic seizure got him out of being present for those murders. Okay, I see. So, and I feel like there, maybe there was some deleted scenes where maybe he was, became an, another informant. Got it. You know, something else was going on. Okay. Yeah. All right. Got it. It just, it seemed like a weird moment. It was. Yeah. And I did forget that they said that he's epileptic in the beginning to at least yeah. explain that. But part. it does. It's like his only, you know, yeah. scene that's just him yeah. in the whole movie. Uh, that's why. That's why, as I was describing Strathairn, I'm like, no, he's the guy who also knows the cops right. and the FBI. Nah, yeah, exactly. No, he's just Strathairn's playing a different yeah. guy. I think that's I don't know weird. what happened, why they did that, but it's bananas. It is. All right. Um. Yeah, some of the other actors, uh, Eileen Ryan, who plays Brad's grandmother, is actually Sean and Chris Penn's mom. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. She does seem young for grandma. Yeah, a little young for grandma, a and you can see a little bit of them 
you know, her face in them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, and there's a, a scene where she and Chris Penn are playing Monopoly and he accidentally calls her mom. Oh, really? And it made the movie. I didn't really, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize. I remember him arguing with her. Or yeah. Her. Oh, that's funny. But, you know, she's sort of like the, uh, the alpha female of the house. That, so they all, you know, Brad Jr. and his brother, his mom and his grandma all live together in this trailer, basically. Yeah. And, uh, She's definitely in charge. His mom, who's played by Millie Perkins, uh, is not really... Seems like a very weak personality. Yeah. Um, Almost like you can't even see how she and Brad Sr. would have been together. Mm -hmm. But there were at some, you know... Well, yeah, there and there was one scene where she sort of describes like, oh, when she first started dating him and he was nice and he brought flowers Mm -hmm. and he he was a certain kind of guy. Yeah. And I actually wanted to see more of her. Just uh, you could have done a lot with her. Oh yeah, she's yeah. she yeah, she's kind of a presence. Like, and then she's just sort of not like when she's he's kind around, of one note, unfortunately. Yeah, she's know. just not used. But you could have done a lot with her. Yeah, conflict with the him. worried, timid mother. Yeah, who's not gonna step in anywhere. Right. And but the grandma kind of steps in yeah. as much as she really could. Yeah. And you can almost tell. I don't know. It seemed like Brad Sr. like didn't want to mess with the grandma. I'm sure he could have. He could have. could have done whatever he wanted. But I think but he might have some sort w- of code. Yeah, or like or... some kind of respect for her. Yeah. That he's like not going to go there. She's clearly, but that's clearly his She's the only one who stands up to him. That's his mother-in-law though, right? Or is, well, or is it his mom? We can't really tell. No, that's, I mean, that would have been, that's not his mom. Okay. That's the her mom, I think. Probably. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, they're they're kind of great in these smaller parts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, good cast all over. Yeah. There was a little behind the scenes thing in the final scene. So Christopher Walken, he's done a, a lot of movies with guns, right? Mm-hmm. Throughout his career, but he's super paranoid about gun safety on set so he always like personally checks every weapon Mm -hmm. and um you know make sure there's no you know everything's fine so whether he's holding a gun or someone he's acting with that there's not going to be any accidents and he's kind of paranoid about it Mm -hmm. so a kind of brilliant actor-y thing that sean penn did so right before that final scene where he's you know, got the gun, like the whole scene, the gun up, like right in Walken's face mm-hmm. right before they roll said action. So Walken checks the gun, hands it back to the prop master, prop master hands it to Sean Penn. Sean Penn walks off set, but within earshot and says, okay, get me the real gun. And someone <laughs> switches the gun. So now Walken thinks it's a real gun. And Sean Penn goes right into the scene and does, does the whole thing with the gun, what Walken thinks is a real gun pointed in his face. Jesus. So that's how you get that kind of genuine like yeah. fear that he's got, that yeah. that's coming from a real place. Wow. So. <laughs> yeah, you can tell he feels really threatened. Like, this is the first time he feels like he could die. Yeah. Like, he, you could see it in the way he's performing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that scene is, uh, you know... It's just, intense. It's, the whole movie's intense. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the, like, the climax of it right yeah on both yeah. sides you know well the, this is yeah the, this is where everything comes to a head it, mary stewart masterson's dead yeah she's dead like this is it like what 
what is Brad Jr. going to do? Yeah, and he's all shot up. Yeah, yeah, he's got shot. I mean, he he fully intends to die or bleed yeah. to death probably, but he's well, got to decide what he's going to do. And they so you know after all the other after the rest of the gang is killed and and they're assuming that uh, Chris Penn is is missing and they're probably assuming that he's dead. Yeah, brother Tommy. Uh, he's gonna Brad Jr. and Terry are gonna leave town. And of course, like you're like, you know, they're not immediately leaving. Yeah, like they still got a pack. And yeah, they're at her house, and like they could have. Something's like, wrong with the car. He's trying to fix it. Yeah. So they get in the car and they're ambushed and Just shot to shot to death. Basically, yeah. Uh, he survives, mm-hmm. and then goes immediately to Brad Senior to get revenge. Yeah, and that scene where he's like, you know, he's basically got him. Mm-hmm. And then his wounds are kind of like taking over, and then he's like, the, "I was so like on the edge of my seat, like, oh my god, he got him all the way here, and now yeah. Brad Junior's gonna die, yeah. right? Just was, short of it." I really thought he was gonna die, no matter what he did. Yeah, and I, I kind of like that he survived. <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. he. Although I mean, that's what torture now. Like the two people in his life, the whole reason we were watching him, she's dead, and his father's going to prison. Mm-hmm. Like, his father betrayed him and tried to kill him. Like, yeah. Brad Jr.'s in a, he's in a whole terrible way. And all that happened in real life. I mean, that, yeah. like, you know, he did have a girlfriend that he was trying to get out with. They were assassinated, basically. He did survive. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't know if that, you know, the climactic scene in the movie happened yeah. in real life. But, um, you know, and he testified against his father and helped send him to jail. And then... Yeah. You know, but unfortunately, coming from the life that he did, uh, you know, he didn't have a great rest of his life. He's still alive, but mm-hmm. he's been in and out of jail for other crimes and drugs. And, sure. you know, it hasn't been a good life for, for uh, Bruce Johnston Jr. Yeah. So, oh, boy. yeah. But, um, yeah. So just intensity is sort of the name of the game with this movie. Yeah. Constant. <laughs> Um, James Foley, though, the director, part of, I think one, I guess, I I wouldn't say a problem I have with this movie is that it's very, one thing I noted was it's very clean. Everything's very, it's very beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like the imagery itself, like really crisp colors. You know, there's a lot of like glinting of moonlight off of things. Everything's like the silhouettes at night. It's kind of an 80s thing. Yeah. Like, you know, at night over a hill, you get the outlines of everybody, mm-hmm. um, th- that kind of stuff going on. Um, so I could have gone for a little bit more of the like, like his early films, like Bad Boys and Falcon and the Snowman. There's almost like a grainy quality to it, yeah. which I'm sure was just partially like the film stock, but that was kind of the style of lighting for it. Yeah. Um, I feel like this could have used a little bit more of that gr- grainy realism. Mm. Instead of like a, a very pretty picture, I guess I see what you mean. Yeah, I, I, that's I mean watching it. I think I watched it on a streaming service, so it's it's on a pretty good resolution, mm. you know. And uh, there were times where I was like, "Oh, this looks really good." Like this yeah. looks, but I I was just sort of fine with it because I think it. I, I know what you're talking about, like wanting that more of gritty ish, realistic kind of mm. feel, like otherworldly, but like real and like dirty and yeah. all that but uh 
I don't know. Kind of. That's what's interesting. Just even down to the production design of it, and then what he chooses to capture on screen. It's like this rural Pennsylvania life. You know, you see elements of that where there's tractors in the streets. You know, because how else are you going to get from one town to the other? Or yeah. Um, you know, there's Amish people and their carriages, and you know they don't live in a really like their house is kind of, uh, and they have like extension cords coming out of the ceiling. But it's like not exploitive of their economic status. Like they're not like it doesn't exploit their like them as like hillbillies or mm-hmm. something like that. Like it's not boy, over the top. look at how bad and tough it is. It's, yeah, this is just what their life is. It's just there. That's it's just, just they're living their it life. It just exists there because the camera's constantly. If it's not pointing at at the characters, it's at least enveloping the characters in a la- like the landscape or the sun sunshine or anything because it's really beautiful mm-hmm. in that part of the state i mean it's just green and lush and um it's and it's all kind of normal like all this terrible stuff's happening sort of in a normal place yeah um so i i guess i guess i get the that as a sort of a, a criticism against it but i don't know i kind of I, th- I think it kind of works uh yeah yeah being pretty like, yeah i know i mean i certainly don't have a problem with it it was just something that maybe on the second viewing it kind of stood out a little bit more to me but that's james foley's movies they look that's what they look like. They're all Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is the same way. Yeah, like it just looks good. Right? Yeah, it just looks like very pretty colors and, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So yeah, I could see. Well, I could see this exact movie being shot, being shot in the seventies and looking kind of shitty, which like yeah, I get that's like the rough thing, but it's kind of shitty looking like that sometimes. Style. Yeah, so, you know yeah. What I mean like not you know I don't mean like not you know what no I, mean. I know what you mean yeah like yeah, it's just yeah. like this isn't that pleasant to watch. After everything we're watching and it's still kind of like visually unappealing i, I like that i get to like enjoy how like how nice everyone looked mm. all these good looking people were yeah. there but it was a uh, all well, very they, much a real it's all just very real it yeah. seems like they look know. like real people like it yeah that's the thing that yeah these are all actors you know and you've seen and some of them are big stars but they they really feel like genuine people yeah and that's that's that can be hard to do when you have big stars. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to use another movie, a recent movie, like The Judge oh, with Robert, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. and, and Duvall. Duvall. It's so hard for me to, like, see Robert Downey Jr. as, like, a real guy, uh-huh. you know, because yeah. he's, like, he's just such a big star or he's Tony Stark, you know. Right, right. <laughs> he's larger than life. Yeah. He's been larger than Tom Cruise. Last, like, same thing. Years. It's it's like hard to accept them back as like no, this is just a normal guy in small town, <laughs> USA. You know. That, I mean, say what you want about having other problems about this film, but uh, the War of the Worlds. But I not once, but Tom Cruise is a deadbeat dad. Yeah, <laughs> mechanic. Like he's like the, he just doesn't care. I don't know. Make <laughs> make beefaroni for dinner. I'm gonna drink beer. Like what? No, you're not Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> but I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, on that. But all of that is like, you know, just so well done about setting the tone of the movie. Mm-hmm. And kind of the last piece of that puzzle is Madonna. 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 And Patrick Leonard, who did the score. But but it's just that one song that opens the movie, yeah. closes the movie, and I think pops up here. And well, there. it's know. here and there. It's kind of like like pieces of that song. So it's the song is "Live to Tell," mm-hmm. um, which 
I did. I had no idea that that song was written for the, basically written for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the melody so so well. I was yeah, like, like oh, I felt like I was traveling back of, in time. It's <laughs> one of her big songs from yeah. you know when she was I, again not at her peak, but like really on the rise. Um, but now when I listen to the lyrics, now it totally like totally is about this movie. Yeah. Um, it was originally written. For a movie called Fire with a uh, Fire with Fire, which is a Scott Glenn movie, mm-hmm. um, it was rejected for that movie and uh, was ended up. I, I think Sean Penn heard it and kind of wanted to see how it would turn out with this, and paired Patrick Leonard, the composer, with Madonna to write the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I love the. I mean, the movie starts with the with the song, yep. but no lyrics in the movie. The lyrics don't come in till the end credits, credits, but yeah. yeah. But I love that like instrumental version, the slowed down version of it. Yeah, very slow. Because hers is hers isn't isn't one of her more fast paced songs, but uh, in the movie it's kind of dragged out even slower and just again like it was just that lonely, sad like melancholy kind of tone that Mm -hmm. takes over the whole movie. Yeah, it really it it gives you a nice sense of of who brad jr is when you're meeting him and yeah. staying with him yeah because again you you spend i think three minutes that slowed down song him driving through town and you get you're just in the credits with probably him. yeah yeah there's the, the beginning yeah the opening credits are there but um i mean and to speak of like the power of madonna i mean the credits start to roll at the end and it's live to tell written by yeah da, 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 performed by Mad- and madonna's name is in gigantic <laughs> font yeah i'm like and then, of course, actually, the rest of the credits are actually probably in really good size font. Like, yeah. like okay, at least like the whole thing's <laughs> sort of for the visually impaired. Like, yeah. but uh, I mean, it, the credits kick off like superstar Madonna. Yeah, like, yeah. We're making we're making her an even bigger star right now. Like, it was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a combo of like trying to make her was, a star, but using her name too, to like really yeah. boost the movie. Yeah. Like buy our soundtrack. Yeah. Go see this movie. Tell your yeah. friends. Madonna's song is the starring role of this yeah. film. Uh, well, it's a, it's a really like, I don't know. It gets sets that haunting mm-hmm. tone that, especially when you slow it down. Yeah. 50%. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, like you were just saying that really like sets up his character and, you know, he's a, a, a lost teen. I mean, he may not be a, exactly a teenager but he's a lost like young man with yeah. no direction yeah. uh nowhere to go his life's not going anywhere yeah um and he's you know was raised without a father and so as soon as that father figure comes back in that's gonna of course he's gonna flock to that guy that's the missing piece of his life yeah well like as a he's he's nearing his sort of a, he's an adult he can now try to relate to this guy, mm-hmm. like this guy who comes in and flashes a lot of money with like it's no problem. Like, yeah. he you know he spends his time with his brother and his friends, and they they get high, they drink beer, they hang out, they fix cars. They don't do anything of consequence. He doesn't keep a job. You know, right. He, he had a job just to pay off the car, the the truck he wanted, mm-hmm. and all that uh, that we learn. It's just so he's just meandering. Uh, yeah. ambling through yeah and um it is, it is that this co- the way they portray that that coincidence of sort of meeting this girl and this guy like he can he have it all yeah we'll find out 
Well, and then that's kind of one of the themes of the movie. Yeah. Not necessarily the real life story, but no. you know, he's uh, self discovery and and finding out who he is and where he's going to draw that line between, you know, essentially good and bad. Yeah. Which is also kind of symbolized by the poster. Yeah. Like light and darkness, and that you know they're each half the half of each other's faces, and yeah. Um, you know, and is he gonna is he gonna like go with his dad and and go all the way with some you know there's a big difference between doing some stealing some tractors and dealing drugs and killing people right and i mean the minute they that murder happens you can see that look on Sean Penn's face that he's this is not right yeah like that's where his line was yeah i mean he was telling Tommy in the next scene like they're bad guys. They're stay away. You know, and I love the way away. he says that too. Yeah. Like bad guys. Walkins just uh, driving up into the driveway, and they're like he has like two seconds to like let his because his br- younger brother idolizes the dad. Yeah, He's even more than cool. he does. Yeah. So, which makes it even worse when he kills him. Mm-hmm. But he just gets those couple words out. Like he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. Yeah. And then Tommy's just like, "What? What are you talking about?" Yeah. Yeah. And he gets this, you know, and the time he sits in his fancy car yeah. and, you know, he's still enamored by the life that mm-hmm. this guy has. Yeah. But, and it's funny, though, because even Brad Sr., he doesn't, when they start their relationship, he doesn't, um, he's not exactly taking to his son. Like, you know, he shows off his, his lifestyle, his girlfriend, his cars, gives him a little bit of money, but then he kind of pushes him off a little bit. He, yeah. He, he doesn't really want the, his son around. He doesn't want this kid around. And that kind of, he kind of rebuffs him like two or three times, but allows him to sort of hang out. And then, so it, it's not like, so it's not like Brad senior was looking to bring this kid in. Like, no, it's like almost like Brad junior was this chance of another side of his life. Yeah. Like what being a father, but not, not, not having to be a crook. And, but showing him what he knows, so I think he wanted to d- be the hero dad. Sure, like I'm gonna roll in here, drop some money off, show you my cool cars and all the fancy, cool things that I do, yeah. and that's kind of where I want to leave it. Yeah, I want to impress. I'm gonna impress you. Yeah, because that's he's who else would be more impressed by the life he lives mm-hmm. than his kid, right? That who who he doesn't know, you know? Yeah. Uh, so. That's what that was. What was interesting too, like watching this, I'm like, oh, I kind of expected like him to be like, great. Now I got a son. I can teach him all my evil ways. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's not simple. It's not that simple. And you don't really know how bad he is until yeah, halfway through the movie, kind of yeah. You know, you know he's obviously not a good guy. You know, he's, he's not a good he's guy. But yeah, you didn't know he was a, a, a rapist and a murderer. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You had no idea. Yeah. And, well. And relationships between fathers and sons uh, get complicated. Yeah. You know, as life changes and mm-hmm. and we talked a little bit in Five Easy Pieces, as, as, you know, adults grow and change, they change in different ways at the same time that you as a kid is becoming a teenager and then becoming an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, your perspectives on things change and you're not always not everybody has that great father son relationship. Yeah. They they have to change together. Mhm. If they change too much independently, it's a little 
it's a little harder to yeah. connect depending on your disposition and how accepting you can be yeah uh, of the other person so yeah on both sides yeah yeah, yeah. it's a two-way street yeah 100 percent. and uh yeah brad jr brad senior tough uh it'd be what kind of life they could they could have had if they were in each other's lives the whole time yeah i wonder yeah it could be but uh and, and brad jr is trying to establish himself like he's seeing through what his father does i mean he recruits his friends mm-hmm. to be part of his gang mm-hmm. you know, to help out on the jobs and all of that like they they were actively part of the gang like yeah you know and then it's when they tr- tried to go independent that they got caught and things went you know right awry and then while brad's in jail is when everything's going bananas. But I thought, like, I I thought later, like after Sean Penn, uh, after he had got his guys together, so you know he went up to them and it was sort of like, "I'm Brad White Whitewood, yeah. and I want to recruit you to steal tractors." <laughs> you remember? Great moment. You remember <laughs> that? Yeah. I'm here to recruit you to steal tractors. Like he's running, like he's uh, running for uh, Senate. Oh, did you not see milk? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Oh see? <laughs> yeah. <I'm> not... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he's Harvey milking it. <laughs> I got it. Sorry. I'm with you now. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. It's do two the... o'clock in the morning. I'm tired. Sorry. But... <laughs> I didn't do the inflection enough either time. So if I did the impression, I thought you were doing like Kennedy or something. I'm... Right. <laughs> well, he kind of has that. I guess. I think yeah. he's New England. Harvey. No, he won. Uh, oh, he's he, San Francisco. He won Best Actor for that, didn't he? For Harvey, uh, for Milk, yeah, yeah, I think so. That was that was a, another great Sean Penn. Role. Really like that movie. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, Sean Penn's had some great roles in his later career too. Yeah. Mystic River. Mystic River. Mystic yeah. River, tough one. Um, good one. There was actually kind of an actiony kind of movie that I thought he was really good in. Really? With oh, the inter- is it called the Interrogator? That could be the interpreter. The interpreter, yeah. With, oh, really? I, th- I actually thought that was a surprisingly oh, good with movie. Oh, Kidman, right? Yeah, they're at the UN or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so. Anyway, uh, should we talk a little a uh, little box office? What happened after this movie came out? I don't know. What did you Where did you see it come down? <laughs> did it make some money? It did not make money. Ooh, ooh, boy. Uh, the uh, little bo here. Uh, it was filmed May June 1985 in Tennessee, so you know Tennessee replacing the Pennsylvania, you know, rural Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a six million dollar budget. Now, when it came out, it was released on April 18th, 19 <coughs> excuse me, 1986. It had a whopping 180 thousand dollar. Ouch. Opening weekend. Ay, ay, ay. Yikes! And now it wasn't even. I mean, that it wasn't released in a lot of theaters. It couldn't have been. It was less than. It was like less than a hundred screens. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's not going to make a lot of money. But I don't know what happened because it didn't. It also didn't really expand its uh, its yeah. release. It just kind of like dropped off. Right. Maybe maybe they had no confidence in it or something. I don't know. I I I think there was some of that. I don't know. I don't know why. Because yeah, I would think rough. this movie would have done fine if it had a made, a regular release. Yeah. Um, it ends up making two point three million on its entire domestic run, so you know a third of its budget. So this was definitely not a money maker yeah. uh, for unknown reasons. What what 
why they held it back. This must but. have been a New York and L.A. movie. I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That that had to be it. Yeah. I think, yeah, opening weekend was actually, if I were to trust some numbers, 39 theaters that weekend, and then it only expanded to 80-some theaters you would total. Think, you would think that they would have at least put it all through Pennsylvania because this was uh, – yeah. I, I was I heard a story about how video stores in – the local, you know, that county, oh. like this, they would steal this movie all the time. <laughs> wow! Because it was so, it was such a big cultural thing in that area. Yeah, that story and that, yeah, that, that drama. I mean, the whole town was kind of terrorized by this gang. Yeah, um, yeah. So you would think that they would have like, and they clearly did like love the movie. Mm-hmm. So, wow. um, it was number fourteen opening weekend. Jeez. Ouch. Yikes. It opened up against another Tom Cruise movie, Legend. Classic. Murphy's Law. Classic. And Wise Guys, Brian De Palma movie. Oh. With your favorite, your favorite comedian of all time, Joe George, Piscopo. Joe. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> jo- oh. yeah. Jump in Joe Piscopo. Also Danny DeVito. And Danny DeVito. Yeah. Wise Guys. <laughs> it was the... Of the year That's 1986, a- mm-hmm. there were 140 movies that were uh, ranked higher than this one. Damn. That's tough. If, if you look at the like, you know, top 200 movies of 1986, this is way buried in there, surrounded by a bunch of movies I never heard of. Yeah. Which is just, the whole thing just surprises me because it's, it's a great film. I think it, you know, really works well today. It's It's... Not very. It's not really an '80s movie. It's not like the Brat Pack movies where it's like, oh my god, look at this is so, you know, the way they talk, the way they look, the yeah. the tone of everything, the like happy ending is like very '80s kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This really doesn't feel like it. It's it's kind of the story is kind of timeless. Yeah, it's a well, it's just it's a indie. It's an indie drama on pretty serious, pretty serious stuff i don't yeah. know I, I, maybe audiences just weren't ready for that story yeah i don't in in the 80s like they were it, they wanted their more blockbustery kind of things yeah they, i think there's got to be yeah. more to it because they just weren't given the opportunity to see the movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i think it did you know get some kind of attention when it hit home video yeah because all movies it, did well all movies did then because it was such a new thing yeah Sean Penn. It's like, oh my god, I I didn't see this movie. Yeah, yeah, you can rent anything. Yeah, but uh, um, it uh, got kind of mixed to negative reviews. A lot of people took exception, uh, kind of like what I mentioned about uh, the visual stuff. It was too uh, too pretty. Was kind of a common response to it, and Ugh. I think it's just like, why are, why is that your note? Yeah, <laughs> there's so much good stuff in this movie how is that like what you walk away with yeah if, yeah if you if you really have to say something that that gets in your craw like this is the best you can do like, yeah that's the thing there's too much high there's too much quality in the film yeah that i mean but maybe it is just sort of like you don't even know how to describe why you don't like it you're 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 not coming away with it yeah like a full like oh, well i love this thing and the same reviews would like praise both the actors because of course, like you, you, there's nothing negative to say. I, I don't think there's really anything negative to say about their performance. But then they'd be like, "But it doesn't, you know, it just looks too clean." Yeah, so we're that. giving a, a shitty review. I don't get that. Like, come on, guys. Like, so was it supposed to be like dark and rainy and muddy the whole time? Yeah. Like, is that what we need? Like, 
can't the characters carry the should tension have been l- and burden and all that? Should have been lit were... by candlelight. <laughs> yeah. Should just be dirty and just <laughs> gross and, yeah. and and scratchy film stock. And yeah. Just, oh, yeah. Just grit. Yeah. And, like, orange tints everywhere. Yeah. Just, just looking like, just blah. Like, a lot of these scenes should have been at sunset. <laughs> yeah. Or dawn. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I think, uh, I think it holds up great. Mm-hmm. I would, I, I, in fact, I often do recommend this movie, you know, when I get the common question of, I get a lot of texts from people about, you know, what should I watch this weekend? And I'm like, watch this. It's not an uplifting movie, right. but... If you want like a just a good solid movie, you like these actors, like this is um, you know them at their peak. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, the performances. Yeah, everyone in it is really good. You, uh, I am I with my limited exposure to Sean Penn back then from those days, like he was really good. Like I mean, I think he was twenty five when he made this or something like mm-hmm. that. So and he's had a you know he had his career going, but I mean to play that lost soul of that 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 type, you know I think I don't think you can play that at twenty or mm-hmm. nineteen. Not not really. I think like, you need that edge, that little bit more yeah. of experience to to nail that. Like you have to have lived more in the world to portray the world weighing you down. Like yeah. even though at twenty, whatever your feelings about the world weighing you down. There's just something that, that might be lacking in, in, in a lesser actor, mm-hmm. but him uh, was probably just perfect casting yeah. uh, for this. And like, and that the fact that like you know he pushed to make to get this made. Yeah, and uh, his his passion followed that forward. I, I love that. And uh, you know, and like I said before, this this is a side of walking you don't see very much. Uh-huh. Um, so I think it's really I think it's important to to see why he became such a mm-hmm. such a name. Yeah. Like this is one of his better performances. Yeah. Point to this. But do you think like um Brad Senior, like could we make a TV show out of Brad Senior like offshoot this thing? <laughs> Just like, <laughs> It's like what if we did a TV show about this guy who he's he's form he's in this community, with his family, he's a criminal, he's a killer. It's kind of a shitty guy. He's violent, you know. But like, we do a TV show. We base it around him, this family. Maybe he's what got you, like. What are you trying to allude? Maybe he's got I, like. I think a, I know no, 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 no. Maybe he's got like a nagging mother, you know. And we can like humanize him a little bit. We'll, you know, we'll send him to therapy. You know, we'll we'll see him exploring the existential crisis of being like a shitty human being and all that. Like, we could do that. That'd be a TV show. What do you think? We could call it, and we ch- we change the name though. Like, would white would it be like, we'd like Brad uh, Baritone. We call it the <laughs> we call it the Baritones. The Sopranos takes place in New Jersey, not Pennsylvania, <laughs> oh, okay, so that couldn't couldn't be done. <laughs> so I don't know. I think now that I say it out loud, that TV show's idea sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Soprano is a likable guy, whereas Brad oh. is. Uh, mm. He's pretty likable. He does some shitty things, though. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I ever felt he was likable. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's got his own charm. Yeah, he certainly had his. He could use his charm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like those guys, all his well, gang guys. You like, gave like you him. know you give him thirteen hours a, a season. Hey, anything you can, can happen. You can. I think we could get on. I think Brad you should, senior you side. should write it up. Let's, I want to. Let's make the baritones. <laughs> let's. Uh, <laughs> 
Maybe you should make an at close range two. <laughs> it's just be called at close ranger. <laughs> you could, you know, Walken in his recent years has so made so many shitty like grade B, grade D movies. Yeah, you might as well make uh, <laughs> make this, the, him in jail thirty years, thirty five years later. Brad's just, back. <laughs> he gets out of jail and then he's teamed up with some like weird teenage girl from. <laughs> Who's got to like? He becomes a teacher at the high school or something. ACR two. <laughs> yeah. Brad's back. Brad's back. And he's on the cover with a gun. You know, like <laughs> he's teaming up with a cop. He's got to yeah. solve crimes. Yeah. I, uh, I Speaking of cops think... and, and like what Walken did after, like look at some of the other '80s movies that he did, like McBain, and yeah. uh, you know, just a lot of really violent cop movies. He did some good stuff like The Dead Zone and some yeah. other things. Yeah, but. yeah. Some real psychological <laughs> yeah. goofy shit, right? He was almost going in a like Chuck Norris direction for a beat and then kind of hmm. rerouted after I think after Batman Returns and then definitely with Pulp Fiction. Got it, yeah. Um clearly he had a whole second life to his career. Good for him. Um do you so I think we both are in agreement this movie uh stands the test of time. Yeah, I yeah. think this is worth this is worth seeing once, and see it again if you want. Yeah, but you should see it. Yeah, it's um, you know, I think this movie not being super eighties helps it. Yeah, um, and the Madonna score and song, while it is super, you know, that is a super eighties song, it works perfectly for the movie oh. and doesn't overwhelm it with that sense. Oh yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I would, you know, yeah, most watching. people miss this movie, and I think it deserves to be seen, especially if you're fans of these guys. Yeah, so. Sean Penn, Christopher Walken, you're not going to see better performances uh, this year. Yeah. <laughs> from either of them. <laughs> no. This is this will be <laughs> this best. This is their best performances this year, if you watched it this year. I mean, I watched it in 2018, you watched it in 2019, and, and we loved it. So what, Who knows what's going to happen in 2020? The world is yours. <laughs> Let's like go. Tony Montana's. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, so check this out. Uh, and I, think, shot, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. I think I'm gonna go uh, work on this TV show pitch. But we're talking about. I've got an idea for our next episode. Um, you, we're, it's gonna be teasing? a little more fun. We're, teasing? Yeah, we're we're talking. We're some gangster talk today. Gangster. Got me thinking about something. Oh, okay, so. something we want to take. A yeah, look at. a little. Yeah, some more guy problems. <laughs> more guy problem <laughs> movies. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. Hey, we're we're, we're working on that. We're trying to incorporate. No, uh, but we don't. But we haven't done these types of movies. Yeah, like I would say. Yeah, yeah. These two together. Yeah. Jack, walking. Yeah, come on, come on. These are superstars. Five Easy Pieces is not necessarily a guys a guys movie. You know, a guy a little more guys. guys. More guys are gonna watch it than girls. (laughs) All right, I'll admit it. It's not really a guy movie, ladies. We know you're out there, and we've got more stuff coming your way as well. It's so not just ladies and guys. Just maybe it's not just the next episode. <laughs> the ne- but uh, I'd love to do more movies with you. Well, we're going to do that. <laughs> okay. I'm we're still not, not going. I'm still we're, not fired. We're in year. We're still in year one of our thirty year contract. Oh, so we're not going. You anywhere. can fire me at any time. No, no. I, I know you have that power. There's, There's that red phone right I over can do, there. <laughs> you don't know where that one leads to. <laughs> I, there's too many phones. I don't know. This one here is going to call Curtis to remind him to start working on our next poster. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, well we should th- and also thank yeah. him for the poster this week. Yeah. This is, uh, 
yeah, this every week we got to thank so, our pals Curtis yeah. and uh, and EK Wimmer for the theme music. EKWimmer.com. Uh, EK and I have a little love fest going on 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 Instagram. I Not sent what? him uh, a v- my VHS. I gifted him my VHS copy of a little movie called Witchboard, and he was very appreciative. He's wow. got a major VHS. Uh, collection. Oh, going. cool! So that's cool. It's, it's pretty cool. But check his podcast out, Laser Graves. And then uh, while you're at it, hop on uh, iTunes and give us a five star review. Uh, we Please. could we could certainly use it. We could use it. Just one. Tweet at us. Uh, you know, let us know what you think, what you want us to cover, and uh, you know, we've got we're trying to tweet out some some cool little tidbits here and there. Yeah. So let us know what you think about at close range. Yeah. Uh, tweet at us at, at Reconsinimation Podcast yeah. on Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitter. Um, all right, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening and uh, stay tuned. Bye now. <laughs>